I V M. Hello everyone, you're listening to Triangle of Fans. The one amazing thing about sport is how the clock seems to tick slowly. Yesterday, OJ Anunobi received a cross-court pass, a full-length cross-court pass from Kyle Lowry and then he let the shot go with just 0.5 seconds on the clock. He made the shot and that's what probably keeps Toronto Raptors still in the hunt. This is Triangle Offense. I'm Monish and as always, I have Nishant here with me to break down games from yesterday and preview today's games. In today's episode, the Raptors and the Celtics round 3, the fifth consecutive game to go down to the final second. The Clippers demolish a jaded Denver Nuggets. Kawhi, wow, what a masterclass. We'll also preview the Heat and the Bucks round 3. Giannis really needs to step up if the Milwaukee have to remain in contest. A new series begins. James Harden and his boys face LeBron and his boys in the Western Conference semi-final. A lot to look forward to. Hey Nishant. Hey Monish, what a what a stark contrast in the two games, right? The Toronto Raptors doing what at least I didn't expect them to do, which is win the game, forget about how they won it. And, and the other game was pretty much exactly how we thought it would be. Just one team that was that completely ran out of gas, tanking, and the other team just blowing them out. Absolutely. Toronto Raptors also. Actually, I felt they didn't really play that well. They just stayed stayed within striking distance. And then one minute of, or one, not even one second, half a second of genius all the way. I mean, before even that shot, Ananobi took that whole cross-court loop to him. A six-feet-tall Kyle Lowry throwing it above a seven-feet-five-inch-tall taco fall all across to Ananobi. And then he had to receive it. And then he had to let the shot go. All of this happened within half a second. Wow. Yeah, it was so well executed. Um, if the if the OKC coach is watching, that's how you execute a, an inbound pass when you you got a when you're shooting to stay in the series or to win the series in that case. Um, it, it was really well executed. I was surprised at how I felt like Boston maybe could have defended that better uh, because they left the far side just completely open. But then again, how many times do you see these kind of plays being pulled off and those kind of passes even being attempted, let alone executed? So so full full credit to the Raptors and. And yeah, you're right. I don't think they played particularly well. In fact, at halftime, I was thinking this is another stinker from Siakam. I think he uh, somewhere towards the end of the second half, second quarter, sorry, he had played around 14 minutes to that point and he had only attempted two shots. That's your A-list attacker, your best player. Only taking two short attempts in 14 minutes and he missed both, by the way. He bricked both of them. So that was, it wasn't looking very good. Uh, he kind of somewhat came back into the game um, over time and uh, so did the Raptors. But this this was a case of, for the entirety of the game, I think Boston had an off night. The numbers were way down. Um, their shooting efficiency wasn't quite what it usually is. And that's what, as you pointed out, kept Toronto in the game and kept them within striking distance. And and you've always got a shot. Any team's got a shot against anyone if it's, if it's a single-digit lead going into the last few minutes of the game. And full credit to the Raptors. They really showed some grit. Yeah, let's talk a bit about Siakam. I mean, he's gone totally missing. He was the most improved player of the of the league last season. We expected him to take up the leadership role at Toronto this year in, play, in the absence of Kawhi Leonard. But he doesn't seem to fit that bill, right? I mean, like you said, just two shots attempted in the first half. Uh, he's just scored two points. He made 
around 14 points in the second half also had a big defensive lapse right at the end i mean just before this final play uh, both he and another defender went up to kemba walker left dominic thais empty at the net who got a free dunk and that's what put boston celtics in the lead and almost threw toronto raptors out of the series so not just this offensive game even his defensive game uh, it's probably more to do with pre- lack of presence of mind the inexperience he really doesn't look fit out to be the leader at toronto yeah i definitely think so look i think pascal siakam at this point and he can go on to prove us wrong but at this point it doesn't look like he's one of those guys that actively seeks out the alpha and kind of put the spotlight on me and let me shine he doesn't seem like that kind of guy he doesn't seem like he wants it as badly as some of the other greats in the past have at least not at this stage in his life and he's young he's going to learn how to cope for me this this seems like he's heavily dependent on confidence you have a lot of these players that are heavily confidence dependent and they start second guessing their shot their mechanics start going off um when the shots are not dropping you you see it even with the greats like lebron james clutch free throws every season he has a new technique it it seems like when he's shooting free throws because he's always second guessing that shot late in the game and it's not something that comes um naturally to him or any of the other greats who have had free throws shaq you can even put yanis in that bucket it reminds me of you know how people like kobe bryant just these volume shooters who shoot without conscience they talk about if you're having a bad game at half time and you've missed a bunch of shots and your shot just isn't falling should you then try and compensate on defense or try and get more rebounds and and help your team in another way no it it doesn't quite work like that if you're the if you're the lead scorer if you're expected to be the lead scorer and your shots not dropping you picking up six more rebounds is not going to solve the the team's offensive woes and so then you have people like Kobe Bryant or or really anyone else who keeps shooting regardless of whether the shot falls or not you can put Russell Westbrook in that bracket any one of these guys their whole thing is we may have missed 5 6 shots but that's not proof of anything we don't believe in bad time and omens and momentum and stuff like that we've practiced this too many times to miss so we're going to keep shooting and they'll eventually fall it doesn't seem like siakam has that level of confidence yet so you see him second guessing his shot you see him attempt few or threes when he feels like his shot is not falling you see him give the ball up a lot more um to anunobi or whoever else he can kick it out to nearby because he doesn't want to take that shot um and you you notice this also with middleton at times but middleton is smart enough to dribble in and take a high percentage mid range if he doesn't feel very good about a three with siakam he just he, he didn't take a shot uh, that's what i was saying 14 minutes two short attempts from your number one scorer i mean come on it definitely seems like he was thrust into more limelight than he was either willing to take on or at least right now has the mental strength to handle this can change over time but in the immediate future this is going to be a big big problem for the raptors in the series let's hope it changes over time because this series is now looking interesting a 3-0 lead would have probably given boston celtics a series no team has ever come back from 3-0 down in the history of the nba so that would have probably toronto raptors don't have to worry about that now in the absence of siakam though i mean the absence of siakam's game though Kyle Lowry uh Fred Lanley if you look at the score sheet it looks like they had a decent game uh Lowry putting up 31 points Lanley putting up 25 points but in reality they were not having decent games uh Lanley had like five threes out of 13 Lowry had two out of eight uh bringing up his entire series aggregate to two out of 17 that's not really the kind of game you you know him to have he's usually a more experienced campaigner contributing much more than this yes he had the 
game defining assist at the end of the day but i think even despite the 31 points he really had an off off day yeah that's that really sums up the the toronto raptors set of problems right siakam's really not getting it going at all van vliet in in fact he had a better game today than than he had in game 1 and game 2 because he was shooting just as when he breaks the siakam you'll see in the short volume and in the usage rate that kyle lowry and fred van vliet came into the play a lot more because the toronto raptors consciously it seems like took a backcourt heavy approach and that reflects also in the number of shots norman powell was able to put up off the bench and they they went really backcourt heavy perimeter heavy in their approach um and the usage rate rate reflects that the number of minutes they played reflects that um, lowry play, played almost the entire game 46 minutes yeah. he had to play um, yeah. to get them to this point where they won van fleet played 40 plus anunobi played almost as many minutes as kyle lowry and siakam kind of sat out and they and they went more to norman paul and the the other guys right so siakam was importing too many shots up ivaka was importing too many shots up so they went backcourt heavy it's high usage rate the backcourt isn't shooting particularly well either you're going to get 25 from van fleet and 31 from lowry when they put up a combined 45 shots is what they attempted not counting the free throws so you would you would expect 45 shots to yield somewhere around 50 points that really sums up toronto raptors uh, woes except for the boston celtics having an off night on shooting and that's really what it was because if they had they played their regular game and played the way they did in game 1 and game 2 this game would have been another blowout or at least a convincing victory the only reason it was even close the only reason it came down to the last minute and was because boston had an off night also and if if that changes if they get back to their usual ways it's business as usual and the series is done in 5 i see this as a blip i don't see this indicative of of a toronto comeback i could be wrong but i haven't seen anything yet that convinces me otherwise no you're absolutely right i mean jason tatum he's been lighting up the playoffs he had a totally off day yesterday he just shot 5 out of 18 uh, jalen brown had a de- decent nine got a double double kemba walker got 29 points but jason tatum the main man uh, whom we've been talking about quite a bit he had an off day and that pretty much was the summary of the game i mean he had an off night and toronto had to put in their entire fleet uh, to get this close and just sneak past boston so yes like you said i think it is really a blip on boston's part rather than a great effort from toronto's part and it's okay i mean it just keeps the series alive probably that kind of motivation they needed to keep going from here so uh, in fact it's if anything it's good for the game we might probably get to see a longer series and If Toronto can pull out a trick out of the hat, it's it's great for everyone involved. Look how much rest they're getting too. The highest minutes anyone in Boston played was Jalen Brown, and he played near forty minutes. Everyone else played under, and they have so many options to rotate it. And it it was still a game that went down to the last shot, uh, just because of the number of off nights they had. It's going to boil down to that again. Right now, unless Siakam can show up and say I'm the man and take over here, it's going to be an uphill climb. um for toronto to take on this incredibly well distributed boston squad even without gordon hayward to take on those guys with with almost a backcourt only offensive approach that's a lot that's a lot to ask um their offense isn't flowing through ibaka or they're not even using magasol much not even as a as a pick siakam's not shooting the ball he's giving it up every time he gets tossed a a potential dime if you're going to go backcourt heavy your backcourt should should be steph curry and clay thompson that's the only backcourt that that you can go backcourt heavy through an entire playoff series and hope to win and even then it's not going to work if each of those guys is expected to play 44 to to 46 minutes per game 
in a game that doesn't even go to overtime it's it's not sustainable it's it's tough to and you can see that you play 46 minutes and you're going to put up efficiency numbers like that it's inevitable it, you you really won't have the legs for it so unless siakam steps up or they figure out some way to bring in additional help on scoring they're going to continue with this high usage rate policy for kyle lowry and for fred van fleet their efficiency is going to dip um and boston will just outlast them just on pure stamina they're going to outlast them and and if they have even a half decent shooting night it's over that gives me a good uh, excuse to segue into a next segment the stamina and the ability to outlast a team the la clippers are seem i mean they seem to have their season back on track uh, they had quite a bit of a blip against the dallas mavericks but they look totally focused uh, they look like the team that we expected them to be denver nuggets as expected looking entirely jaded after a seven game energy sapping series against the jazz they didn't really turn up yesterday but come on the clippers went out there did the job uh, pretty much what you expect them to do kawai leonard putting up yet another masterclass his 15th consecutive 20 plus game in a playoff series wow those are incredible numbers and a total blowout victory 120 97 it was not even a contest yeah this was as clean a performance as you'll see from from any team and that's the thing that both that's both annoying and incredible about the clippers is that they get away with a lot more than most other good teams can get away with they get away with load managing throughout the regular season and somehow still figuring their chemistry out they get away with dropping two random superstars from different teams into an otherwise well led squad add a few more pieces here and there never have them all play together for more than like 10 games for the regular season and still have the chemistry sorted it's like they can show up without having played each, played with each other for the full season show up in the playoffs decide they're going to turn it on and they turn it on that's what's both annoying and quite incredible because i can't think of another team that can quite do this you'll see other teams try this you'll see them fail and then you'll hear all of the excuses from the analysts saying the team chemistry wasn't quite working these are new pieces they don't quite know each other's movements and um, the offense isn't planned around these pieces blah 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 with the clippers it's if they decide to show up and play their natural game and take the open seriously they're unstoppable and when they don't they lose largely because of their own undoing it's astounding what this team is capable of putting together on on short notice um kawhi leonard i i mean he's been doing this for years now he's easily the most underrated superstar of our times his efficiency blows my mind he is essentially look at look at the numbers though just points production wise he's essentially doing what yanis does in the regular season in the playoffs against consistently better opponents he plays 30 minutes or so puts up near 30 points every single time has monster defensive nights every single time doesn't always pick up the best player on the opponent uh, opponent's team but when he needs to he's well capable of doing that they're holding off i'm assuming till later stages of the series where he has to no doubt defend lebron or james harden or whoever gets there but he's been doing this forever now it's, a, it's about time he started seeing getting his due but at the same time let's also call out that clippers bench that that unreal bench scoring threat that they always possess the bench went off again for for some 35 40 point i've lost track at this point yeah i mean the depth of the team is unbelievable denver's top scorer was nikola jokic with 15 and montrez harrell had 15 and he was the fourth top scorer in the clippers that that shows the strength of their bench paul george had more than that uh, marcus morris had a good night as well he was shooting threes on the go so denver not even looking a threat to clippers clippers depth the bench strength everything and the energy levels that they have left 
everything seems to point out to a clean sweep in the series yeah it's effortless offense and mind you all of this without a traditional playmaker they really don't have a crispa or or like a designated guy who's on the ball all the time creating and running plays and finding uh, finding assists and dishing out fancy dimes they don't have that they don't have like a a virtuoso lebron james luka doncic kind of presence that gets things going they don't even have a kemba or a kyle lowry level playmaker because the moment you double team you are in trouble because the other guys don't really need to be set up all you need is for the ball to find their way to them and each one of them can pop off and get their own shot that's on offense defense we've spoken enough about about the clippers these guys are gritty they'll get all up in your face they don't tire out they have way too many people so nobody plays more than 30 minutes the most minutes played yesterday was today well if it's india um was kawhi leonard who played 31 minutes that's the most anyone's played on that team and this is a blowout victory everyone else played 26 minutes or less i think paul george played 31 32 whatever but nobody played more than 32 or 33 minutes in the entire team and that's insane because then everyone's fresh everyone's getting in rotations they're not really losing out on defensive intensity because everyone who comes off the bench defends equally well or even better i mean the list just goes on and on this is easily one of the deepest squads i've seen possibly in the last last decade talking about getting rest and being fit for the playoffs lebron james and the lakers have had like what six nights off now and they play uh, equally jaded uh, houston rockets equally jaded to denver nuggets you could say that's going to be a close game uh, what do you expect going into that game i expect about uh, 253 point attempts from the houston rockets <laughs> <laughs> and if 20 of them drop it's their ball game i'd be shocked if you don't see houston put up at least 50 shots and it's going to be tough mind you because these guys are I would expect them to be fatigued beyond belief at least for the first game of the series. But this is going to be a tricky one for the Lakers because they're kind of the anti-clippers in the sense that regardless of whether they played a bunch of games at a stretch or whether they've gotten breaks, the Lakers always seem to rely on getting in a good run of games before they build their momentum. We saw that in the beginning, they kind of picked up a few wins at the start of the season and then as the fixtures got tougher, it took them a, a while a bit to kind of reconfigure their team figure out their best rotations and starting lineup and all of that and then they got going and it seemed like just before the lockdown before the league shut down thanks to the corona brothers it seemed like they kind of found their right momentum they were peaking at the right time they beat the bucks they beat the clippers comprehensively both felt like they were peaking and then boom the league shut down for five months they came back into the bubble it's like nobody could shoot a jump shot in the entire team it was like this was some ncaa rookie tryout all of a sudden and it took them 5 6 7 games before they got their shooting rhythm and it took a road awakening from portland who who torched them from beyond the arc in game 1 where it shouldn't even have been close it took all of that for them to figure out and get their offense going and it's still not a full team offense that's going it's largely the two big guys it's largely anthony davis and lebron james when lebron is on the floor they still have no clue who's doing what on offense even with all of them on the floor it doesn't look like they ever have a clue as to who's doing what on perimeter defense and they're going up against easily the most aggressive perimeter shooting team in the league they will not be the most accurate but boy do they put up attempts and they really really commit to that 3 and D strategy that they seem to have going intense defense all out three point shooting offense i don't think houston are going to have the legs for it in in the first game but but it's still it's still a lot trickier than it appears on surface it should be an easy easy lakers win in 5 
But whenever those three pointers drop, you just can't put it past Houston to beat anyone in the league. Yeah, like we discussed the other day, it's a lottery team. If it happens to be the day, no one's yep. going to stop them. But the more interesting game, uh, the one that I'm at least looking forward to earlier in the day is the Bucks versus Heat round three. The Bucks really need to get a win here, or they're going to be three down and going home very soon. Here's my question: Does anyone there seem to care? Outside of Giannis, does anyone seem to care? It's like, except for Giannis, I don't think anyone there seems to bring the attitude of there is no next year. Now it's now or never, and it is now or never. It's a small market team with a superstar that's way too big for their own good. Someone that the whole league will line up for. Whoever has cap space is going to go after Giannis. Whoever doesn't is going to try and create cap space and get their way out of shit contracts. It really is now or never because if if they don't. At least get to the finals. I'm not even even the conference finals isn't good enough. I'm talking about the NBA finals. If the Bucks don't get there with Giannis, back-to-back league MVP for sure, DPOY, all that jazz, most efficient season anyone's ever seen, and they can't get to the finals in that weak-ass Eastern Conference, it's over. I I don't think I don't think the Bucks are going to wait and risk losing him for nothing when they can trade him now for a whole host of talent. So they're going to have to give it up. And they're gonna to have to build from scratch. He's gonna to want to move out, go to I don't know Miami. Seems like a great fit. If Golden State can make a run for him, why not? But he's gonna to want to move. So it really is now or never. But I don't think anyone except Giannis seems to get it. So I I still expect the Miami Heat to romp home. I feel bad for Giannis. I do. Um, but I expect the Heat to romp home, and I expect Giannis to find himself a new home if that if that happens. Uh, before we wrap up today's episode, a uh, player of the day. I think we we were running a bit short on standout performers, honestly, because Boston, Toronto, Clippers, Memphis, uh, sorry, uh, Clippers and Nuggets. It was a well distributed effort on all fronts. But if there was one guy that stood out, it was easily Kawhi Leonard. And the deeper we go into the playoffs, it's like the bigger Kawhi Leonard gets. Every season, it's the same story. He starts out at a certain level, and the way he manages his momentum and peaks at the perfect perfect time. It's it's incredible. He played just thirty minutes, thirty one minutes, seventy five percent from the field, fifty percent from three point line. Didn't miss a free throw. That was a flawless scoring night from Kawhi Leonard. Twenty nine points, thirty minutes, seventy five percent shooting. Great from three point line. Great from the free throw line. Intense presence there. Got got a bunch of well, like a couple of steals, blocks. He, he covered the entire stat sheet in thirty minutes, and then. Took off and he said, "All right, good night to you. Here's the scoreboard. Take it with you, Denver. Denver Nuggets. Good night." Standout performer, man among boys, Kawhi Leonard. Easy, easy. Yes, uh, I have no debates for that. Uh, Kawhi Leonard. He's putting up 32 plus points in the playoffs with 65% shooting. I mean, like you said, he's getting bigger and bigger as the playoffs get deeper and deeper. Our player of the day, Kawhi Leonard. A flop of the day for you, Pascal Siakam. You could say because he completely disappeared when it mattered even though the team barely won let's go with pascal siakam just just because it's now a consistent trend um not only did he have bad shooting nights on game 1 and 2 but he had a night yesterday where he wasn't even willing to take a shot for about 10 to 12 minutes he went without even shooting the ball and he was on the court forget not scoring he wasn't taking shots he was giving the ball up actively avoiding facing off um, against the defender that's just not expected when when you're a superstar and and now you're the face of the franchise you really are you should be at least if you're not but you're to shrink like that not even attempt a shot pure failure it's just not up all right and the last section of the day uh, any i mean it's it's a silly question to even ask your play of the day yes yeah, so i think it's obviously the the game winner in uh, from from toronto both the pass and the and the finish 
I don't know be a great shot but but even more impressive was that pass from from Kyle Lowry uh, over as you pointed out a 7 foot 5 taco fall cross court across a bunch of pretty much the entire Toronto team and the entire Boston team he had to throw it above all of them I don't think he had a very good sight of where it was going so he had to trust that I don't know we would be placed exactly where they drew up that play it it was a set play it looked like a set play so so full credit to the team for pulling it off and great great execution and no we topped it off but but what a pass from Kyle Lowry yeah uh, that's a good uh, that's a good segue to end today's episode lot to look forward to today uh, milwaukee really need to come back the lakers and the rockets are certainly going to be interesting and uh, we'll be talking all about it soon yeah let's also uh, wait till till a couple of days to see where the chips drop on the whole steve nash thing there's going to be a whole bunch of debates going going back and forth and whether it was racially motivated or whether it was not um, but if any any of you listeners are, are have been under a rock for the last few days steve nash hall of famer two time mvp blah 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 is has been appointed as the full time head coach of the brooklyn nets understandably there's a section of the media that's been losing it saying yet again eligible black men get looked over in favor of a, of a white man that is never coached before you will have those telling you there has been precedent here and this isn't the first time this is happening me personally i don't think this was racially motivated i don't think anyone was trying to actively avoid um taking a black man into consideration you can't also say a black man wasn't considered you really don't know what happens behind the scenes and who all were interviewed or or considered for the role it's a risky bet um there have been bets like this in the past in basketball i can't think of too many that worked with the exception of steve kerr i don't think there was a first time coach that actually won the chip you could kind of put greg popovich into that but he was a gm before he he popped down to to pick up the head coach clipboard the only example i can think of uh, of a success story like this in recent times would be from football in fact where um zinedine zidane being appointed to the to the real madrid manager job was controversial to say the least because there were a lot of highly qualified managers that the club could have gone after and club like that you really can get whoever you want if you plan about a season in advance but in retrospect that looked great hat trick of european titles and so on and it's possible with steve nash that it's something like that the only reason i'm apprehensive is because this incredible collection of talent in brooklyn also comes with an incredible collection of of fragile egos and Uh, and characters that are not not always the easiest to coach how is he going to manage this whole kevin durant kyrie thing how is he going to piece together the rest of the squad does dinwiddie go in go out how does he manage his rotations it's a lot to ask of a first time coach i'd be surprised if he pulls it off at least in season 1 and with a team like this it's championship or bust from day 1 you really don't have a, a second expectation from a squad like this so it's going to be interesting but i personally don't think this was there was a racism angle here i think it's just it just happens to be a white man got the job um, ahead of a lot of qualified black men but i don't think this is systemic i don't think this was discrimination by any stretch all right then uh, we'll be keeping close tabs on this and that's a nice comparison brooklyn nets to real madrid because both have an incredible collection of stars kevin durant and kyrie irving the real madrid had equally difficult pro- players to coach right we had the great superstar cristiano ronaldo yep. in in the team at that point in time but that worked out well for madrid and zidane so we'll we'll keep close eyes on this one all right then all right that that about wraps our show take care man take care